Uh, so I'm filling in this week for Craig. I think we had uh, David last week, Jim's taught. Do you guys ever actually do First Peter in here? Yes, yes we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am going to give a little disclaimer before we get started here. They normally lock me up with the youth on Sunday mornings. That's where I normally teach. So if my message this morning is a bit more direct or aggressive, uh, please understand that I'm used to teaching teenagers. Uh, nevertheless, I am really excited uh, to present on this. It's, I was able to pick, uh, and this, this topic is really near and dear even though maybe a bit painful sometimes to, to myself. And uh, as I believe probably all or most of you have heard, Deb and I have uh, made the decision to commit to Gospel Hope. We'll be um, headed down that way. We will need to move. So there's a lot of details and stuff that we'll need to get worked out. But it's definitely a long, about six weeks of laboring through prayer. It's a very bittersweet thing. But this, this particular passage was very motivating and encouraging uh, in that decision so very uh, relevant. I'm going to read it. It's Galatians. We'll, we'll be in Galatians chapter 6. And we're just going to read four verses. Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Let's pray real quick. Dear Father, I thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to teach from your word. pray that you would be with these, my friends, that you would give them insight and understanding that as we study your word, that we would be challenged, encouraged, reminded, um, of, of your design of sowing and reaping and the work that we are to be about while we're here on earth. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so my first job was as a farmhand on a large, it's called an agritourism orchard and farm. It's called Evans Orchard and Cider Mill. Agritourism just means I got to drive tractors with people in the back around the farm. There's you pick um, acres and acres of apples and peaches, pears, and fields upon fields of every known vegetable to middle Kentucky. Uh, and I did everything on that farm from planting pumpkins to pulling weeds for weeks on end. It would take a long time. We had a massive blueberry field, and it would take weeks to weed that thing. By the time you finish, you got to restart. It was awful. <laughs> uh, I can remember on many occasions, though, uh, the, the, my boss, Kevin Evans, he was this kind of a weird, strange, confounding blend of a scientist meets an entrepreneurial mastermind. I can remember on many occasions, uh, I did farmer's markets. We'd arrive really early at like 5 a.m. and you'd find Kevin. He had a desk, not much bigger than this, stand-up desk. And uh, he'd have an untoasted Pop-Tart in one hand and a handheld microscope in the other hand. And he'd be like looking at all like, these pH balance papers and little soil samples. And he's like looking through, trying to figure out like, what the, the pH balance of different parts of the farm was. Um, so I'd find him there, you know, how's the, how's the dirt looking today, boss man? He's like, fine, and he kind of waved me off because he knew that conversation was not worthwhile. Um, but Kevin, like, he, he grew money. He was devoted 
to the pursuit of perfecting every square inch of earth that he owned to squeeze maximum profit out of every molecule. And he is, to this day, a constant inspiration to me. However, our soil is different, is it not? It's spiritual rather than material. And what I want to encourage us in this morning is to remind us to have a fresh vigor and perspective to sow tirelessly, doing good while we can unto an eternal, abundant reward. I want us to sow tirelessly, doing good while we can unto an eternal, abundant reward. This passage in Galatians can, can be broken down into, into four points. And it's really just about sowing and reaping. We'll, we'll, we'll cover the design of sowing and reaping. You'll notice my outline today is DIY. Uh, so you can just listen or you can write down, but... First point is just the design of sowing and reaping, the produce of sowing and reaping, the patience required to reap, and the opportunity for sowing to reap. I'm sorry, could you repeat those? Sure. First is the design of sowing and reaping. Second is the produce of sowing and reaping. Third is the patience required to reap. And fourth the opportunity for sowing to reap. And I'll hit these again as we go through. Let's, let's start with number one. It's a good place to start. The design for sowing and reaping. This is verse seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. <clears throat> God has made the world. God made this system of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. It's a pattern that we can trust. We can build our lives and confidence around it. And I don't think you don't believe this, but some of us may be forgetting or slipping in our confidence or trust in God to reward the sowing that costs the most for the hope of reaping the most. We get over-focused and striving. We get frustrated by worldly sowing, reaping worldly frustrations. Our eyes may be falling off of the coming reward of heaven and landing on something less something that might insulate us from the insanity of the world. Getting uh, some land out somewhere, making a homestead. Maybe it's just our kids or our doctors that we have here, our peace and quiet and comfort. A lot of the things that Deb and I had to work through in our own minds over these past few weeks. But how foolish, what a waste of an eternity. And God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. Second Corinthians Chapter 5, 9 through 10, therefore also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one <coughs> excuse me, may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You reap what you sow. God will not be mocked. This is his design. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, what deeds will you have done to show for the power of the Spirit which dwelt within you. All true Christians will have something to show for themselves, but make no mistake, there's opportunity for tremendous gradation in the rewards for the efforts of our investment. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, 
And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is God's design, and he will not be mocked. Do not expect much when you have done little. To grab hold of the spirit and confidence of eternity and invest deeply, expensively, into, an eternal, into the eternal rewards that are offered to us. What fools would we be to know this and not strive to reap bountifully that we might reap bountifully unto eternity? And that is point one, the design of sowing and reaping. Next, spend a bit of time on the produce of sowing and reaping. Verse 8 of Galatians 6. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now I read this, and I don't know about you, but I can taste it. I can feel it. This contrast here, all of, I don't know what it was like for you with your kids, but I can taste this late night anger in myself or my kids who refuse to sleep. They're not good sleepers, and I need to sleep. And I get angry and I can feel it. I can feel the bitterness when I missed out on a promotion that I worked really hard for. I can see the, the craters that my pride has blasted into my relationships. I can taste the regret over all the foolish things that I've wasted my money on over the years. So much waste and frustration and anger, despair and sorrow. It's all of that corruption. At every turn, when I sow to my flesh, I reap corruption. When my focus falls off what's coming in heaven and the opportunities I have, even in my weakness, to reap unto heaven, I reap corruption. But we try so hard, do we not, as Christians? We try so hard to do what's right, to keep the balance between caring about God and church and yet still taking care of our families and ourselves. So why do we fail so often and wind up discouraged with fistfuls of corruption? It's because we've forgotten that this is Holy Spirit-empowered. Keeping eternity before our eyes requires eternal God inside us. Only Christians can do this. Only those who've abandoned themselves to the forgiveness of God and welcomed in His wisdom can do this. Sowing to the Spirit, reaping eternal life. But I will tell you, and if you, if you take anything away, we, we have several more points, but this is a really important section. This is not, this doesn't happen magically or mystically. It comes through stirring daily reminders. If we're to reap to the Spirit, if we're to stop reaping corruption, it takes reading and memorizing God's Word, speaking with God in prayer, filling our minds in song, fellowshipping with fellow believers. And I, I, I know you guys know this, but don't wave your hands. Yeah, yeah. I'm pleading with you. You need to prioritize the Christian disciplines. If you want to sow to the Spirit and find yourselves, your family, your friends filled with eternal life, you need to fill your life with godliness. And God is found nowhere more powerfully than in His Word, in His presence, and with His people. So abide there. Matthew six nineteen through 21 do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy 
where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I encourage you to take inventory of your lives, even over just the past few weeks. Where have you placed your treasures? As as you've spent your time and your money and your rest, leisure, all to acquire, right? We spend all of these things to acquire things. We have all of this time and money, resources. We're spending them for something. For, for many of us, it's just comfort. Some of it's insulation against whatever the future might bring. But as you look at what you've spent to acquire, what have you been acquiring more of? Things on earth or things in heaven? Maybe to, to put it another way, what are you more concerned with losing come tomorrow morning? Is it your treasures here or your treasures in heaven? We need to find ways, whatever it costs, whatever it means, we'll look at what it means, but we need to lock up our goods in heaven, which we cannot lose. And these earthly treasures, they'll be destroyed. We don't get to keep them. We don't get to save them. And so rather we ought to spend them, using them, to invest into eternity. As we've been going through in, uh, in youth, we've been going through Acts, and this is, this, is, this is probably where most of this is coming from for me. I mean, we've been spending weeks and weeks and weeks um, going through Acts, and there's just so much church planting and evangelism and spreading the gospel and sharing it with other people. Um, and it's just, it's very compelling. It's very uh, convicting for the amount of time and energy and effort that's spent on that. Um, but it becomes very clear that Paul in, in Acts and the people that he gathers around him are just tremendously interested in grabbing a hold of the resources that they have available to them and spending them to invest into eternity. And that comes from the resources that we might think of, like our money, our talents, our time, but also the suffering, the things that are difficult. Not just saying, oh, that's unfortunate or can't wait till we get over this, but finding opportunities to pull those in, investing those into eternity, spending them into eternity. And it's always for this goal, for this uh, objective that Paul always has of this is worth it. This is something that I believe in, that I'm, I'm convinced of, that of all that it might cost me, it's worth it. But the thing that always like, c- continues to come back to mind for me is, is what, what, are we, what are we aiming for? What is the actual result for me? What are the rewards that I get to hold up? Like this is what we constantly say, you're going to get to go to heaven or um, there's rewards laid up for you. What do those look like? What am I actually looking forward to? And it maybe is a bit of an aside, but it's a very important one because it's so tremendously motivating or it's not because this is what we're standing up against anything else we might grab a hold of in earth. And so when I'm comparing these two things, it kind of becomes important. I need to have some idea of what am, I, what am I getting as I lose these other things, as I lose the things of earth, the corruption or the things that I might think I would acquire or have. As I spend those things for something else, what is that something else? What are these heavenly rewards? 1 Corinthians 2, 9 if you thought I was going to give you exactly what it was, Second Corinthians, or I'm sorry, First Corinthians two verse nine. But just as it is written, 
things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all the good that God has prepared for those who love him. We don't know exactly. Uh, we can't imagine it. There's, there's not a description of what exactly all these rewards, all of this blessing and benefit, all of these things that we're going to acquire alternatively to the things of the world. It's not laid out perfectly for us. And so we know it in, in faith that it's better. Because you can't imagine. You can imagine. I, I, my imagination's pretty good. And I can imagine a lot of good things that I might get. I might imagine all of these uh, acquisitions and things that I think make my life pretty fantastic. But God's imagination is way better than mine. And of all the things that I can think of that I want, God has more. And so by faith, we know it's better. It's better than anything that we might give up to gain. We do know that we get Christ, His inheritance. We know we get eternal joy. So much of what we try to acquire is just, I want to feel better. I want to be happy. I don't want to be sad. In heaven, we get joy forever. We know of, of all the things that we wish we could get right now in this life. If you were to take all those things and place them in a pile side by side with the rewards of heaven, in a moment we would sell all of that to get what we would receive in heaven. Listen to what Paul says about these things in, in Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 8. Philippians 3, 7 through 8. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Christ. Paul wasn't just throwing things away. He saw that there was greater value in gaining Christ. He had a sort of divine uh, righteous greed. I want Christ, and I will get rid of everything so that I might have that. I mean, think about it. Suffice it to say, like we're, we're objects, you and I, objects of God's grace, were chosen out of His wrath, chosen out of the fires of hell for Him to place His love on. So would it not make sense then that those rewards that He would have for us would be outrageous, and we would be fools not to make it our aim to strive at every level to sow unto that greatest harvest. That's point two, the, the produce of sowing and reaping. And now three, the patience required to reap. Verse nine of Galatians six, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Friends, <coughs> Never forget this verse. We need to know this verse better than we know our own names. Life is short, but really only because eternity is forever. Because life's like, it's just long enough for us to waste it terribly if we lose sight of coming eternity. It's, it's just hard enough that we risk abandoning the cost of discipleship to only do the bare minimum to sort of assuage a conflicted conscience that we're, like we're doing good enough. 
We've forgotten about eternity. We've grown weary. Backing up again, that's it's corruption. Sowing to our own flesh. Do not lose heart. Do not grow weary. Because at every level, so many times, we're going to want to give in to weariness. And so we need to lift up our eyes to Christ, take hold of his power, the spirit that's inside us, and press forward with another step on this finite path, this finite life that leads to an eternal life of richly rewarded rest. I've, I spoke uh, I don't know, it was last week, a couple weeks ago, to the youth, this idea of, you've probably heard it, you'll sleep when you're dead, you'll rest when you're dead. Don't, don't do that. Don't rest when you're dead. Don't, don't die until you've done something, until you've sown, until you've put in the seed of a rich reward. Don't just stay awake. Work, work hard. Hebrews 10, 34 and 39. This is a really good one. As opposed to the rest of them, I guess. No, this one's, this one's fantastic. Hebrews 10, 34 through 39. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. This verse speaking quite strongly of those in a, in a persecuted church, in a church that's struggling, a church that's having difficulty. And this, this reminder of the need for endurance that through suffering is the opportunity to invest into eternity. It's not a hindrance. It's the very means by which you do it, and yet it does require endurance because our tendency is going to be to lose heart. We're going to get tired. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to question God, and instead of grabbing hold of those opportunities and using them, pointing them very intentionally towards the investment into eternity, we're going to get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart in doing good. We will reap if we do not grow weary. We need to suffer strongly in confident hope of Christ coming with your promised reward. Do not throw away an eternal reward because life is difficult. Rather, leverage and employ those same difficulties to serve you in the acquisition of an even greater, richer, eternal reward. I think, uh, I think sometimes we think we do pretty well. Like we kind of wish that when we got saved and we came to Christ, um, God would just come and snatch us up into heaven, right? If, if the Christian life only lasted a few weeks, maybe a month, uh, we do okay. But it's not that, is it? It's years and years. And what I'm encouraging and challenging you to think of is, like, is praise God. Because in, in life, that's our opportunity that's our opportunity to sow. But we're weak, aren't we? And we need to be reminded 
again and again to not grow weary, to not lose heart. I'm going to be honest. I think uh, chances are one day I'm going to forget this. And I'm going to need you to smack me between my eyes and get my eyes pointed back towards heaven. Do not think that we're stronger than we are. We need to be reminded again and again and again and again to not grow weary, to not lose heart, to keep working for heaven. Life's long, but it's not as long as eternity. And it has a purpose. And it's to invest into eternity for a richer reward. That's number three, the patience that's required to reap. And finally, moving on into the the point that we just started to touch on is, is our final point for this morning, the opportunity for sowing is to reap. Verse 10, so then, of Galatians 6, verse 10 of Galatians 6, so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those of the household of the faith. The whole passage that we've spoken about really orbits around this verse of doing good as a means of sowing and expectation of reaping secure, eternal, rich rewards. However, it's qualified with this honestly kind of spine-chilling yet motivating phrase, while we have opportunity. Our opportunity to sow, it's, it's time-boxed, after which there will be no more sowing. The field size will be set, the seed will be planted, and the harvest will be what it will be with no second chances, no next year or tomorrow. We only get this life to sow, and then eternity we reap. And so, yeah, that, that question of why doesn't God just take us up into heaven? Why do we have to suffer? Why does life have to be so long and hard? It's because if it, if it wasn't, if it was short, our rewards would be weak. They would be small. And we're left day by day, year by year to sow into the lives of others so that we may reap a richer harvest of benefit forever. And its aim, like the aim of this passage, it's so practical because we might be left to wonder, well, what, is, what are we supposed to do? What does good sowing look like? How are we to activate ourselves day by day when we think about what should I do day by day, year by year? How can we ensure this idea of maximum harvest as we sow? It's simple. It's do good to all people with a special primary focus on your fellow believers. And so the obvious follow-up question is, well, what, what good is that? What good are we talking about? And that's the, that's the context of Galatians 6, Galatians 5. Some of you I am sure are very familiar with. I'll read two passages here in Galatians 5, 5, 13 through 14. For you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Don't reap unto corruption. Don't reap unto your flesh. Serve one another. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we serve, we put one another first, more important than ourselves, build them up in love, through love, to see them conformed into the image of Christ. And also Galatians 5, 20 through to 26, the one that hopefully we're all very familiar with. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. The good that we're to do to others is, is these things. We're to serve one another and we're to bear the fruit of the Spirit. In daily living, to believers and unbelievers alike, it's honestly, it's nothing terribly outrageous. There's not a whole lot, maybe even different, that you might do as you walk out from here, other than don't grow weary in doing these things. These are the things we're to do. Exercising, growing, producing the fruits of the Spirit. It's the dying to our own fleshly desires, which are taking us in the direction of a lesser reward in favor of something greater, something eternal, even if it is something that we must hold on to by faith. And so to bring it back around to church planting and a lot of the thoughts that have been on my mind, even as we have considered whether to go or stay or how the Lord may orient our lives, it is this idea of where is the greatest eternal reward? How can I enlarge the field and sow better to a richer eternity? And honestly, it doesn't matter quite so much whether you go or stay for any particular church plant or missions endeavor. You, what's given to you, and to me is to consider carefully the opportunities that we have and weighing the rewards that are in front of us. What good can you do to the people that are around you? I want you to hear me carefully. When stood against eternity, all time is short. All ages are young. And we all have every day. For as long as we have the next day, this opportunity for storing up treasures in heaven. Yes, absolutely. It's Holy Spirit-powered. That's why it's Christ who gets the glory. As we turn away from the elemental principles of the world, our own flesh, the corruption that it reaps, and instead, through the power of the Spirit, by faith, we invest into an eternity that we know is better, that we know is worth it. The purpose of bearing fruit yeah, it is. It's, a, it's this righteous greed, which counts carefully the cost, and then in faith, spends all earthly resources into an everlasting eternity of reward. In the words of the missionary martyr Jim Elliot, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's the opportunity for sowing to reap. To sum it up there for that fourth point. Even as we see the, the sacrifices and difficulty, we need to be overwhelmed with the opportunity and grateful. We have, been, we have been placed in a very unique church, a very special church that gives so many opportunities to learn, to grow, to equip ourselves, to rip a rich, eternal reward. Not everybody gets this chance. Not everybody has this opportunity, and what fools would we be to waste that? 
But if we really believed in heaven, if we really believed in the reward of eternity, would we not take all of those resources and employ them into a heavenly reward? And for our closing thoughts, really just the one. How will you carefully consider the opportunity of the bounds of of time, of just, I only have so long to live? And how will you, with that time, intend to spend it by the Spirit's power to sow good into the lives of those around you in the confident hope of reaping eternal rewards? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for the challenge that it is, but also the encouragement. For the truth that's contained that that pulls our eyes off of where our flesh would have them dwell. That we can look to heaven, that we can have faith by the power of your spirit, a regenerated heart, that we can believe that it's coming, that it's better than anything that we could store up here. I pray that you would remind us of that, that we would be convinced of that, that we would have strong faith and that the, the sacrifices we might make, that, that would, they would seem easy to us because we believe that strongly in heaven, that strongly in, in eternity, that strongly in yourself who richly gives as a reward to those who strive through the power of your spirit to do good. I pray that you would convince us of these things, that we would encourage one another in these things, and that you would be pleased to reap a harvest to the work that you do through us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.